0: And uh, we'll do one of those exciting Sunday school lessons. Who let him in? My goodness gracious! Okay, we're we're going to be in First Kings uh, chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 19. Ron, he's giving me guff. Okay. Uh, Those uh, of you that uh, have been to Sunday School more than twice, you'll recognize this as um, Ahab, the bad king, assembles 450 um, prophets of Baal and God works on them something fierce. So, uh, let's just start in 19 and it says, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So real quick, uh, we've got a couple of people mentioned here. In the next verse, we're going to talk about King Ahab. And after Solomon, Solomon had many wives, and he wasn't supposed to collect wives, and he wasn't supposed to collect foreign wives, but he did both. And the foreign wives brought in their gods from Ammon and Moab and Syria and all over the place, Egypt. And as he had kids by these many wives and concubines, um, they told the kids about their gods and not the gods of Israel. And that's what they took with them. And then after Solomon died, there was uh, political unrest. Uh, There were a lot of sons, and they were all claiming a share of the the throne. And so the kingdom split through political intrigue. And the ten northern tribes, they said, we're going to do it our way. And the southern tribes that had uh, Jerusalem in it said, we're going to maintain the old guard that God established. We're going to have Jerusalem as a capital. And Benjamin and Judah stayed, stayed put. So this all takes place in the northern tribes, and they are serious, po- seriously polluted with this God called Baal or Balaam. And uh, like I say, he was always around from the time that uh, you know, all the tribes... And Israel did not exterminate the indigenous people, the Canaanites. This guy was always hanging around, this God. But he flourished big time in the northern kingdom to the point that God himself is almost forgotten. And they would worship uh, anything. And they had bales for everything. But he became a central figure. And God wants to get the northern kingdom back for himself. Because he loves those people, but they're lost in idolatry. So this is one of the ways he's going to work on them. And, it, and let's just talk about Ahab and Jezebel just a little bit. Ahab is a super bad king, and his wife Jezebel is worse. Uh, she killed uh, 50 priests at uh, a place called Nob, uh, almost for fun, and killed another neighbor of hers for his vineyard to give it to Ahab. So she's a, a bad actor. She's kind of a witch. And if, if you've heard this term, she's a Jezebel. That's a bad woman, bad. So just um, a little something to remember there. So in 20, it says, So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, Now let's talk about Elijah just a little bit. And the last time I taught, we talked uh, about Elijah a little bit. It was the time before that. But he was a super prophet. He's still, in the eyes of the Jews today, the prophet and very powerful guy. Very, very. Did a lot of dramatic miracles. And the Jews today, you know, he's almost the Messiah to him. So he was big time prophet, very powerful, uh, with, uh, God's permission. And he is dealing with Ahab. And incidentally, he had called a, um, a drought, a drought, no rain for three and a half years. We're at the end of that period. So, uh, for Ahab to obey Elijah, you know, Elijah's got a lot of sway. Okay, let's move on with the story. And Elijah came to, or, hey, yeah, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you, will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not. The people knew about God. They heard the stories about God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt all the great miracles they did, he did, and they had some appreciation and knowledge of that, but they were hung up on this Baal guy, this Baal God, and everything was geared for for Baal, and that's who they were worshiping, and they would go in and out. Let's do a little God, let's do some Baal, whatever it takes, that's what we're going to do, and it says here, how long will you falter between two opinions? And he, he was asking this hard question. If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him the people answered him, not a word. Did you ever get hit with the truth so hard right between the eyes you can't talk? have had that happen a couple of times. And usually it's a personal assertion. And oh, wow, it just hits home and it stalls you. Oh my goodness, can't talk. And it was, it was this kind of situation. They knew in their hearts they should have been following God, but they're messing around with Baal. And Elijah says, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose. Don't mess around. Don't waver. Don't go back and forth. It's hard on you guys. And he hit them right between the eyes with the truth, and they they couldn't even speak. They were kind of cut in their heart, cut to the quick. Wow, wow. I bet they thought about that one at night. They did not answer a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces, and lay it on wood, but put no fire under it. So he's setting up a contest. They're going to call on their gods. And he says, I'm the only one left here in the northern kingdom that cares anything about God. I'm the the one last prophet. And your Baal guy, he's got 450 prophets, and it mentioned 400 uh, for this uh, fertility god up here, Asherah. So They're heavy into idolatry there. There are 800 priests right there in the area to serve different gods. He said, I'm the only one. But you know what? He liked the odds. He did like the odds. And why is that? You and God are a majority. God's on your side. you got nothing to worry about. He said, I like my chances here, guys. He had worked with God. God had worked with him. He knew the power of God. And he knew that Baal was nothing, zero. So he liked his odds a lot. And um, he said, there are 450 of you guys. Let's choose two bulls. We're going to have a sacrifice, and I'm going to let you guys go first. So he kind of he, he sets it up here, and he said, cut your bull up into pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare another bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Get in the situation here, they're going to have a little contest to see who's God. So they got a bull, and they cut it up, ready for a sacrifice. And, you know, they got an altar there. They put the wood out, and they put the bull on it. And they're going to call on their gods to see who can ignite fire and and have a sacrifice. Why fire? Why not just have it change colors or something? Fire is a cleansing thing. Fire is energy. Fire is dynamic. It cleanses. It's a judgment. Uh, It is energy. It's a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. He says that's going to be the term. Whose God can put fire under this thing? So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. That sounds like a good contest. That's what they say after the question was answered up here. Which God are you guys going to serve? Which one are we going to prove today? Which one's going to be real? And they said, that is well spoken. They found their tongues for this one. Yeah, that'll prove it. It's a good test. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bowl for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Elijah knows he's got this thing in the bag. So he says, you guys go first. He's a a gentleman. You guys step up to the plate first. You can pick the bull. You can build your uh, altar where you want to in the proximity here. And you guys go first and call on your Lord. Call on your God, and we'll see what happens. But don't put any fire under it. That's going to be God's job. So they took the bull, which was given to them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one answered. Oh my! There's a problem here. Calling your God, and He'll He'll answer, won't He? There's not. There's no voice. Does the stone have a voice? No. Can that chair right there talk to me? No. Cannot. All these things they're calling gods have no animation. They have no voice. Can't hear them. Okay, but there was no voice. No one answered. But they leaped about the altar which they had made. So they're calling to Baal. Hear us, hear us. No voice. That's not working. Nothing's coming in. So they leaped around the altar. This thing got emotional. No response. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to picture this thing, but they went spastic. Our main guy is not talking to us. We've got to do this harder. And I don't think they knew what to do, but they did jumping jacks around the altar. They did something that uh, was supposed to entice their God to make communication. Even if no fire, how about, how about a voice? How about a hello? Something, please. But they, they got nothing. They leaped about the altar, which they had made. Oh, my goodness. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. He's God, isn't he? Cry louder. <laughs> cry louder. And he gets very sarcastic here. He said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. Wow. Our God's a good God, but he's deaf. That's the, that's the only thing wrong with our God. He can't hear. He's done a lot of other great things, but he can't hear. You know what they'd be doing today? They'd, have, they'd be texting. <laughs> Baal, we are, uh, backspace, we are on Mar- Mount Carmel, 450 guys. Where are you? You. Period. We got the guy right behind him. He's got his tablet out. He's got his tablet out. He's writing on there. Bail. Long time, no see. You know, and just imagine what kind of technology they could use today to get through to him. I got a smartphone, 4G. The priest says, Gee whiz, Bail, <laughs> help me. Wow, 4Gs, you're not getting through. Okay, not an answer from this guy. He must be sleeping and must be awakened. He's on a journey. Probably going to Florida. (laughs) He's he's not to be heard. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves. Jumping around didn't do it. And they cried aloud until blood gushed out of them. And a couple of times in God's word, it says, don't do like the pagans. Don't cut yourselves. Don't cut yourselves. It says that a couple of times. And God says, that's a real pagan thing. And You know, I'm kind of out of it as far as what society's doing and young people and things like that. But I hear about kids cutting themselves, which is a real, real pagan thing. Baal, he's he's got an association with Satan because he's pulling people away from God. And I assume that this cutting that's going on in our youth today is uh, satanically associated. And God says a couple of times in his word, "Don't, don't cut yourselves. Don't cut yourselves. So, that's a real caution for them. But here we have these pagans that are doing it. They're using knives and lances until blood gushed out of them. They're really anxious to hear from their guy Baal. And when midday was past, the prophets uh, they prophesized until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And I'm I'm pretty sure that's about six o'clock. So for six hours they're, they're working under God, working under God. They're cutting themselves. They're crying out. They're leaping on the altar. And this prophesying is probably uh, praising him, uh, flattering him. We know you're a great God. Fail, where are you? We've seen many great things before. Please come to us and, and prove this uh, prophet of God wrong. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Stone gods don't talk. They just don't talk. They don't. And these people had dedicated their lives to this, this thing. This thing, what a waste. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I think about idolatry, and I think about today, and I think about what I think about most of the time. Where, where's my time tithe going? And recently, I'm heavily into Buckeye football, Buckeye football, and my wife, Betsy, thinks it's probably an idol about right now. I bought direct T V and uh, I've watched all the games, but it was too so funny. You're an idol idol worshiper too, aren't you? You are. And I record the games, and I, I record them, and I've watched the last game three times. You know what, You know how many hours that is? That's a bunch of hours. That's a bunch of hours. And uh, I've spent more time watching Buckeye football than I did preparing for this message. So I've, I've got a little idolatry thing going on. <laughs> and I, well, I'm not even going there. I don't have to tell everybody everything. So, you know, you, th- you think about things in your life. Yeah, John? <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. That's true. I could end all idol worship right now just become a dedicated Browns fan. Okay, there's something sick in there. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but just think about what you think about all the time. And I, I teach it. Well, I don't anymore, but I used to teach the uh, fifth and, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And I like to ask them this question when we talk about idols and things like that. I said, what do you guys think about most of the time? And they tell me. Uh, they they want to have phones. They want to have nicer phones. We want to play games on the Xbox. And they're very honest. And sometimes I ask my junior high kids that, and I don't get the response that I get from the younger kids. You know, we learn how to mask that a little bit and kind of dodge that thing because we, we kind of protect our, our idols. We do. Um, I don't know. I just think about what you're thinking about most of the time and, and what you're doing most of the time and see if it... Uh, you can get a tenth of your time in this book and, uh, and more in prayer and fellowship and things like that. So it kind of hit home when I was uh, reading some of this. And, uh, you know, when I call out to the, the great Buckeye, he can answer, which is even worse. <laughs> you know, I, I, I go online, I go to the television, I watch the reruns. So, um, you know, idolatry sneaks into my life, too. And Elijah said to all the people, come near, near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of God had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Um, earlier, I mentioned that, you know, the northern tribes have this idolatry problem real bad. But God wants to bring them out of that, wants to bring them out of that. He's got a symbol going here with this altar. And it says it was an altar of the Lord that was broken down. And I looked, uh, I looked up Mount Carmel for the earliest mention of Mount Carmel, but it never said anything about an altar. I thought maybe one of the patriarchs, uh, maybe Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, had built an altar there, but it, it didn't mention that. But it was an altar from bygone years. It was an altar of the Lord, and Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes, the sons of Jacob, whom the word of the God God had come. He's trying to get Israel put back together. He's assembling an altar. So it's symbolism for the northern tribes. Let's reunite. Let's get back on board with God. Let's forget about this Baal thing. And get back to me. Get back to me. Twelve stones representing twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, in 32, Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So he's consecrating that altar He's saying, yes, this is an altar to the Lord. The, the Lord can repair these things. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seah of seeds. And I looked that up, and that's, uh, that's like four bushel. It was the um, volume of this trench around the 12 stones. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And like I said, there's a drought going on. Three and a half years, and it's almost ended. After this contest, um, Elijah will pray, and the drought will be over. But they're on Mount Carmel, and it is real close to the sea. So I think they got this water from the sea because it was very, very dry uh, up on that mountain and in most parts of the northern kingdom. So he says, fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt offering, and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think any stray spark is going to set this thing on fire. uh, He's not going to run up there with his bick and light this thing. It is saturated. It is really saturated. Its uh, kindling point is now about 700 degrees. Now it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near, And said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Here he is making a fervent prayer in the name of God. And what could be more powerful? We need to remember that, that a fervent prayer in the name of God is very, very powerful. That this people may know that you are Lord, you are the Lord God. And you have turned their hearts back to you again. Who's the mechanism? Who's going to turn hearts in this, in this situation? Who's going to turn hearts? God. He's the only one that can turn hearts at any time. Elijah is just the messenger. He's the prayer guy. We pray for a lot of people. I'm hoping we're praying for a lot of people. Um, but God turns the heart. God sends the Holy Spirit. And Elijah realize this. This is a fervent prayer for his brethren that are laboring under idolatry in the northern kingdoms under the domination of Jezebel and Ahab. This is a cool prayer. This is a really cool prayer for his brethren up there. Um, And he realizes that God is the one that turns hearts. In 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stone and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. This is convincing. This is really convincing. There's that fire again. There's that energy. That's that was going to be the test. Send fire. We're going to send fire. And the fire came. And it worked on that wet wood. And it worked on the stone. The stones were gone. And the dust and the water in the trench. This is some good fire. This is hot. This is really hot. This is impressive. Very, very impressive. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Wow. That is something. That is something. Very, very impressive. Unfortunately, that didn't end Baal worship. It didn't end in Baal worship there. But the people in that crowd were very, very impressed. They fell on their faces and said, That's the Lord. That's the Lord. And that's how this thing got set up. Don't waver between two things. I'll prove God to you tonight. That's what he said. And... They were very, very impressed. They were. And this thing ends abruptly. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah took them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. He took out uh, 450 prophets of Baal because of their idolatry. And here we see God... A merciful God it was really interested in the people in the northern kingdoms but the people that were leading them astray he had serious judgment on serious 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 judgment on them so the Lord is a God of mercy he's also a God of justice a God of justice and we have to remember that and I think as we look at the world today and end time things kind of add up and progress that there's a judgment coming, there's a real judgment coming. Um, We will escape that by the rapture, but the people who believe in Baals, they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in real trouble. And uh, there's a deception that will be around, like the deception these people had in Baal, and there's a real priesthood associated with that. Is that deception what kids learn in school about uh, evolution? Is that the deception? Will it be greater and grander than that? Will the disciples, will the priests of that um, what I want to say? That teaching, will they get that kind of uh, judgment? I think that's what it says. I think that's what it says in the latter days. That kind of thing will happen. Um, our God's a mighty God. He's mighty for salvation, but he is a just God. Amen. Amen. Questions on that? Yeah, Rose. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And when the bales came into the land, I, I looked it up, and they had little statues that they carried around. And they could hold them. And God said an unusual thing at Mount Horeb. Um, he said, at Mount Horeb, I showed you no image. Because if I show you guys an image, you're going to be worshiping that. You heard me. You felt the mountain shake. You saw the fire. But I did not show you an image. And that's for a reason. Because we get hung up on the image. Because our, our faith is weak. The brass serpent that they held up uh, in the camp to take care of the fiery uh, serpent's bites, they worshiped that later. Who we'll worship anything. We we'll worship anything. Good comment. Real good comment. Yeah. Yeah, you you were one verse ahead of me right there. But uh, Ahab was really looking for Elijah because he had turned off the rain, but he didn't dare touch him because Elijah very powerful. Very powerful. No, he was he was going to demonstrate against uh, the prophets of Baal to turn the hearts of the people away from Baal. Yeah, he was going to save Israel. Sounds like a presidential debate. <laughs> <laughs> Comments, questions? Yeah, John. Yeah. It's not. It is not. It a, it's it's got to be the thing. It's got to be the thing. Yeah, good comment. Ron. Oh, you to that. Yeah, yeah. We always battle the flesh, and uh, we know from history that, you know, you know, within, you know, Probably the same day, people are turning back because the flesh is strong. The flesh wants to sin, the world says it's okay to sin, and Satan will help you sin. And those three things are in operation. But the Holy Spirit's in you, and he can trump all those guys, all those factors. And you got to lean on that, and you, like John said, you have to be obedient. You have to be obedient. You have to do what the Lord says. Keep you on the path. Comments? Okay, we'll pray and be on our way. Lord Jesus. We just thank you for your word, Lord. Um, We just thank you that, uh, you know, you're going after the people that it's the hardest to touch, you know, the idolaters, Lord. Uh, Continue to send your Holy Spirit into those dark, dark areas, Lord. Um, We just thank you so much for your grace and mercy. But we must understand, uh, you know, the other side of you and and part of your being is uh, justice, Lord. Um, The prophets of Baal did not escape. Uh, We have to remember that, Lord. Uh, Lord, be with these folks. As they go into their week, uh, bless them and bring them back on Sunday, if you would, Lord. We ask all this in your name. Amen.